You are listening to episode 197 of Game Deflators Podcast. My name is John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators Podcast. We like to talk about games. We've recently picked up games we're currently playing and find out what happens when an unstoppable sequel meets an immovable control scheme in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. All right, that was much better than mine that I came up with for you. Uh, <laughs> so we played Jet Moto 2 in uh, the next game. Is for that sequel. what we did? I think we experienced Jet Moto 2. I think we did experience it. I, I played it. I played a little bit of it. But uh, that is our next game on sequel month. That's what we played. So I thought it was pretty cool overall. You know, I, I guess I'm going to have a lot of negative things to say about it, but I think I have a positive takeaway. That you had to stop playing it? Well, no, just like, I mean, as bad as the game was, like, once we get into it, I think it's worth it. Sounds good to me. Uh, well, we'll get on to that in our last segment of today's episode, but we'll start out with, of course, you can find us on thegameflators.com, our out-of-date website. Uh, you can also find us on the podcast app you're listening to now, as well as other podcast applications out there. Leave us a review social media at the game deflators on Twitter at the game deflators on Instagram and Facebook. So as always, we've got our recent pickups and what we're currently playing. Ryan, I had quite a week. Like when I first started tabbing it out on our, you know, summary that we have on here that we kind of go by uh, for notes. Um, I had like two things noted and then it just blew up as we were talking to like four or five things. Why? So, why did you put the newest Game Informer magazine? Are you going to start because reporting to us on your mag subscriptions? I'm, no, not necessarily. The reason I put the newest Game Informer magazine for this week is because I'd been waiting three months for the Game Informer magazine to come in since I signed up. And for whatever reason, GameStop was like, we're going to send it to your old address, even though your new address is on file with us. It was the dumbest thing. So like, haven't I haven't you ordered from them anything yet? Yeah. I've been ordering from GameStop online and having stuff shipped to my house. So I'm like, why was it even going to my old address when like none of my records Must on file be a different division? I don't know, because like I went into the overall like the Game Informer subscription section and it was my new address. So I'm like, why? Why did that even happen? Or like, oh, well, we'll get you set up on like three more months of Game Informer uh, on top of this. So like after you it got expires, trooped, man. Yeah. So and then they're like, oh, we'll send you also last month's issue. I'm like, all right, cool. So like they sent me whatever this month's issue was or last month. Um, so, yeah, I finally got that. It's pretty cool because I haven't had a gaming magazine in a long time. And mm -hmm. while while I'm not a huge fan of like the power up rewards and all that, the twenty dollars a, a year to get, you know, not necessarily discounts, but the five dollars or whatever can kind of be worth it because it's online now too so it used to be only in store now that you can use it online it's a little better so you can mm -hmm. kind of remove some shipping cost if you want like one game so that's kind of cool um <clears throat> so i do like that component and then also just a physical subscription of a magazine is nice at 20 bucks it's actually not a bad deal when you're getting a physical magazine so that's yeah. kind of cool it sits in the bathroom so next time you're here enjoy it uh, until the next month and <laughs> we'll go from there but it's cool like the covers um skull and bones or whatever it's called uh so i'm, Wait, I'm gonna dig really yeah oh man why would they not just bury that that game is gonna that game is gonna die faster than what was that um uh square game that came out that like already nobody's playing i don't know the only thing that ever pops to mind when people say a game nobody's playing is anthem that's always well, the yeah, game that, that comes to that mind. Too. One yeah. cent anthem. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's a cool looking cover. I have to dig through the magazine. I honestly haven't cracked it open. I just put it on top of a toilet lid. So it's there. Like when it. they showed that you just like park your ship up next to the land and shoot rocks to mine and your ship just like farms trees when you're next to the shore. I was like, man. You guys are not even trying and you've been trying for like seven years or some shit. <laughs> Dude, it's Too like much. I read a comment the other day uh, when kind of perusing through Twitterverse and uh, somebody is like, it seems like the better graphics have gotten over the years, the worse games have gotten. 
in general. Cause like the full focus is on let's make these games that have like these crazy cool graphics and people are going to love it for just the graphics where really there should be a happy medium, right? Like gameplay should be just as good as graphics, obviously like real, all of it should kind of have maintained along with the graphics quality going up. And it seems like that's diminished. And there's some truth to that. There's a lot of good games out there to have great graphics, but for the most part, yeah, I can see it. Like games have kind of gone downhill over the years. Yeah. Um, so uh, on top of that, uh, some magic cards. So you and I played in a magic tournament yesterday for draft. We both went one and two. Uh, so that sucked. I think we both won our buy. That was yep. it. Um, dude, that last match, I don't know what was up with that guy. Like the guy that I played last, like that combo he had suspiciously, he hit that combo in all of our games. And he also uh, hit dude, that combo our deck. I, I just don't get it. Like in your first hand, like it was kind of crazy. I mean, so, it's happened to me before too. That was rough, dude. Like he ended up taking all three. Um, and what's crazy is like, I could have beat him in the first game, but I messed up my math. <laughs> so mm. I screwed up. I mean, that's what happens when you take a two month layoff on magic. You know? Yeah. Like, I, I thought <laughs> I had a strategy. I was trying to do like all these cheap creatures that I could just like drop with like my body dropper and buff up with my um my death touch guy but then when i pulled that uh that red card with the spells i was like oh man i did draft like some pretty decent spells too that would be awesome to be able to recycle through Mm -hmm. and i feel like i should have really just committed one way or the other like i feel like i really should have just been like all right all cheap creatures so that i could get the maximum effectiveness out of it instead of like some creatures and some spells because then i just wind up with not enough creatures and you know no matter how many cheap creatures you could sacrifice to buff up other guys you know eventually you're it's hard to stand up against like just a board of two threes like if anything happens to one of those guys i don't have any more answers in there so we'll see my biggest issue is at least last night i went three colors and three colors is super difficult to do. Like I had a well, decent this, that deck. Capenna is made for playing three it, colors. It is. But in draft, you could do two colors and you'll be fine. Like you don't have to go three. Yeah, it's um, a huge advantage to not do three. Yeah. And that was kind of my issue is I started with like white and blue. And I was like, oh, here's some black cards that are good. And then I ended up in like blue, black, white, which I didn't want to do. I would have sh- I should have just gone like black, white and I would have been OK. But it is what it I don't is. Think I mean, I've ever done blue, black, red, which is what I did. Yeah, I've never really kind of paid attention to that color scheme. So it's interesting you went that route. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was fun. It's always fun, right? To do some drafting. I'm probably going to be down to do it next week as well because with my world about to be turned upside down for quite a while here, it's going to be yeah. probably some of the last magic I'm going to play. So yeah, you're probably going to miss that next set. It comes out on like September ninth or seventh or something i'll probably buy singles off of it just so i'm ready but other than that no i'm not gonna end up playing it uh so what else i get i also got the castlevania anniversary collection on limited run games like the full-blown like big box thing that has like a light up display and music oh Um, sick i gotta look that up yeah so i'll church actually game grinder he posted some pictures and stuff the other day so you can check that out um but let's see. So I got that. I got two copies, one for PlayStation four and one for Nintendo switch. I'm deciding which version I want to keep. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, also I backed Cthulhu age of madness from our friends over at strange Aeon games. Uh, it's $30 plus 15 shipping. And I think they're super close to breaking their next, uh, unlockable, which is going to be like heavier card stock. So really crossing my fingers that kind of goes in the next few days. It should, uh, I think they're only like, 80 bucks away so i don't see how they're not going to get that in the next 18 days um and then the last thing i got was a uh, mario set i got some more mario legos nice. so yeah uh and as far as currently playing is concerned i started up yoshi's crafted world with my wife so we have our game that we normally play obviously we're playing kano bridge of spirits for a while which now i understand there's Kena Bridge of Spirits like DLC stuff coming out. I'm like, oh, man, like, do I want to jump back in on this or no? So that's coming out. But Yoshi's Crafted World, I mean, it's it's another platformer. It's another Yoshi game. 
I don't know how much more there is to it to talk about other than like, I mean, we already played it and talked about it. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you've got like some, some really, we'll go back and listen to episode, I guess, if you haven't heard that episode, is it fun going along more of like the backsides of the stages and stuff? Yeah, it's pretty cool. So like we kind of have been going through the back ends of stuff and trying to uncover all of the red coins. And, uh, there's also, uh, like characters that you can walk up to. They're like, Hey, I want you to go and find me like, five cows and you have to shoot all five cows and then there's another level of poochie that we just finished the other day that was uh you have to try and complete the level and find three poochies within five minutes like that's the goal and you have to complete everything and so i was like damn that's actually for one player that's achievable for two players it's kind of eh. um just because you got things going on crazy in the background and and with both characters trying to jump up on certain levels or areas and whatnot it just doesn't work out so easily uh but yeah i mean we're enjoying it um it's still a cute game it's still super colorful lots of plasticky looking things and paper plates and all this other crazy craft type stuff that's there and yeah it's cool so uh the next game that i'm playing though so i talked about potentially starting majora's mask and then i remembered that i have a game that i've wanted to play for so long and uh, that game was Terra Enigma. So I went ahead and, and dove into Terra Enigma. I, I might have talked about it last week on starting it, but I got a little further this week. I went ahead and completed uh, all five towers. I got into uh, really the surface of the world. And then uh, I just completed the raw tree or rough or the evergreen is the name of the area. And I completed that. And now I'm moving on to my, like my next areas. But the interesting thing of Terra Enigma is like the whole concept is like um, you have God and the devil have like basically gone into some fight along with all these different pieces of the world and they completely obliterate the world. And the only thing that's living is in the underworld and it's a city called Krista, I think it is. And everybody's kind of happy go lucky, like living in this little city and they don't leave the outside basically um, because of monsters and everything else. But your character arc, you decide, well, screw that. I'm going to just be a dipshit and mess stuff up all around the city. And at some point, he opens up this like door that leads this like friendly demon um, who like freezes everything. And essentially, it opens up this quest to go to these five towers, unfreeze people in this village. And then your grandpa tells you, okay, well, now you got to go up to the surface and you have to save the rest of the world because it's all like come up from being underwater, basically. And it's like basically all of the continents. So you have like North America, South America, like it straight up tells you North America and South America. And so you have to go up and save these various continents. And uh, it's pretty interesting. Like the whole world is poisoned and destroyed and you have to go through and uh, go through various dungeon type areas and uh, kill a number of enemies and kind of progress the story, of course. And like, for example, the tree of raw, you get like the special dew. And when you use a special dew, it pretty much turns everything into an evergreen again. Um, so I, I think it's, it's pretty cool so far. Like I'm, I'm enjoying it. The story is pretty interesting and it's like a 15 hour RPG. So kind of right at my wheelhouse and what I want to dive into right now. I don't want to get into something that's like 30, 40 hours. 15 hours is like that sweet spot right now to play something I've wanted to play and decent story, decent reviews. And I'm liking it. So it's good stuff. Nice. Yeah. All right. What did you pick up? So, uh, play date week. What is this week four? I think. Yeah, I think so. So this week, uh, I got a couple things. So the weekly season games were echoic memory and flipper lifter flipper lifter is this really cute game where there are penguins the first level is like a hotel you've got i think it starts out with like three or four floors little penguins walk from either side to the central shaft where the hotel elevator is and you use the crank to crank the elevator up and down the levels And when the uh, penguins get in, it'll put like an exclamation point on the levels and that'll start draining down. So you got to take them to the levels, pick up new penguins and just keep going. As it goes, it keeps adding more and more levels onto it. And you just see how many penguins you can move around in the time frame. It can be a little bit finicky. It has some help where it's like, 
once you get it generally into the level, if you just stop cranking, it'll auto just drop it into place so that the doors will open so that you don't have to crank to exactly just the right spot. Um, so that's okay. And then the second level was very interesting. So it's got two sides and it's like a mine shaft is the idea. So you've got like a top uh, that's above ground on each side and then below ground where like the different levels of the mine shaft will be. And then there's like a side to side where if you stop the elevator in that side to side, it'll shoot over to the other side. So you've kind of got two towers with a bridge that you've got to navigate with an elevator. So it keeps adding more stuff like that. I haven't even gotten enough points to unlock the third level yet. So uh, that one's pretty enjoyable little time killer one. Uh, the next one is Echoic Memory, which I haven't really started. Unfortunately, most of the time that I'm wanting to mess around with this, I've been at the office this week. So maybe next week I'll have more time to mess around. Uh, but that's another like very sound based game from what I can gather from the very beginning of the tutorial. You're like in a factory building radios and you have to like tune the radios to test them to make sure that they are suitable, you know, like your quality assurance or something. Mm -hmm. so if it's echoic memory, it sounds to me like it's going to be like an audio Simon says kind of puzzle game. Sounds about right. That's kind of what my mind went to right off the bat. Yeah. Uh, and then I got a little crazy. I looked it up and there are indeed Game Boy emulators for <laughs> the little play date here. They don't run full speed. One of them is better than the other. Uh, in my opinion, I got so I got the Playboy and the Peanut GB. And the Peanut GB seems to be the superior one. It runs Pokemon Red at about like 60% speed or so is what somebody said online. And I mean, it's totally playable. It's just slow. But does uh, it play Doom? Uh, I got Poom. Poom is Doom for the Playdate. Nice. And I don't believe it's all Doom. I think it's just kind of like shows you that doom works like and if you pull the crank out you get the chain gun and you can just crank it and it's got like unlimited ammo That's but the cool. thing is the the playdate only has black and white the game boy had four different shades of gray so they can emulate the shades of gray with um just doing like different like pixelation because it's way denser of a pixel grid. Mm -hmm. So you get like almost like a four to one. So depending on how you lay the pixel pattern out, you can make different patterns and use that as grayscale. But for something like Doom, like it's impossible to read like any of the HUD or anything like that. There's just there's just not enough there to do like a really one to one. But when you when you look at it, it's really crazy to see like the 3d that they were able to render into this it's very cool i find it hard to believe ryan if doom can be played on a pregnancy test it can be played on a play date i mean that's what you would think and you got your last one here curse to golf uh yeah so i just picked up curse to golf curse to golf just came out um on the 18th i've been kind of following this game for a long time this was I don't know, made by, but made with, uh, what is this? Liam Edwards or is it Liam Robertson? I always get the two of them mixed up. I think it's Liam Edwards. He's, uh, used to be on like the super bunny hop podcast or not super bunny hop. Um, dad's dad and sons, dad and sons oh. podcast with super bunny hop. And, um, he worked on like other games like he worked at uh, Rockstar for a while on like GTA four, but he's this uh, cool English dude that lives in um, Japan and he's a game developer and I always thought he was a really cool guy. So I'm glad that his game came out and it seems to be doing really well and having really good reception. So cool. Very nice. And it's dude. only 20 bucks. So for like a fun switch, like, I, it's like a puzzle golf 
game where you're like in hell and you have to like puzzle golf your way out. I mean, isn't it hell to have to play golf anyways? I, no, I, think, that's, I think that's where the inspiration <laughs> came from. Yeah. Uh, dude, every time I see a Corgi in the background and that full metal alchemist signal on the floor yeah. or symbol, like the forbidden just, magic every time it gets me every flipping time. <laughs> all right. And uh, all right. So what have you been playing? I've been playing the little bit of the Playdate stuff and the secret game. And John, this is for sure your last time because I'm going to be done like any day now. Okay. There's mere hours standing between me and the finish of this game. Is the game part of the Mario franchises? Like, is it a Mario based game like uh, like a Bowser or a Yoshi or anything like that? That's your question. Yeah. Mario based game. No. Is your game. Hmm. I should have asked if it's one you haven't beat yet. Um, well, I haven't beat it yet, obviously. I'm no, I mean, it. like, I mean, beat before. Like, it's one that you've repicked up is what I'm saying. Um, oh, gotcha. I should get two guesses because I'm going to get screwed next week if you beat it. And that'll well, only no, be you five. get it. You get it. I'm going to give you I'm, one more. After what is that? It. What's that dungeon based game that dungeon crawler used to play? And you hadn't beat it yet for a long time. Like you played every single week. Cave Blazers. Yeah. I'm not saying it's Cave Blazers, but <laughs> um, I was just curious. Uh, let's go with, for some strange reason, you decide to repick up the messenger. Ooh, no. Damn. I know. I really, I really should pick up the messenger again because I got the DLC, but it was going to make me fight the final boss. And I had a super hard time beating the final boss the first time. That was a good guess. I think it was a fair guess. It's a yeah, fair guess. That was decent. Okay. Uh, this week we're going to be talking about several things. Uh, the big thing is embracer group. So we're going to talk about that and uh, a little bit of their history. So I don't know if you want to go in deep into detail, but we've put in an article uh, that people can read on our website or, um, mm-hmm. you know, we can post on our social media as well. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Embracer Group uh, after that with Limited Run Games, Tuxedo Labs, and Tripwire. So their most recent acquisitions. And then also the full list of the Mega Drive Mini 2 games are out now or available to uh, see. And so we'll talk a little bit about that. Follow it up with Jet Moto 2. Funny that we have a sequel article that we're talking about this week. Embracer Group and then uh, another article that came out shortly after. Yeah, yeah. It's all twos. So... Yeah. Um, this first one this is great we were originally going to talk two different embracer group things one that's a little more about lord of the rings ones that's a little bit more about the games but then i found this really really great article um embracer group what is the company that now owns tomb raider i mean that's not the property i would have gone with on the headline uh but this is by jordan serrani at ign and they break it down and give a whole history of the entire acquisition history for Embracer Group, who their founder is, like how he even got in. He was like just some guy. He's from like uh, Sweden. He's from Sweden. He's yeah. a thir- he was a 13 year old when he started like his whole company. Yeah, he started selling comics and then he got into video games and he's just moved up. So it's like this is somebody that like while being a very savvy businessman, like I, I do love it when like a big thing like this is at least held by somebody who has some kind of appreciation, you know, for it, who's like been involved with it for a long time. And especially with them. um, And we'll talk about it a little bit more in the next one with like getting in bed with um, purchasing limited run and actually having desires for physical products and stuff moving forward for somebody that's going to be as big of a role in the gaming future as they will be that's huge and like the opening to this article is what brought me to it uh with over 120 internal studios 230 games in develop and a massive stable of 850 ips embracer group has quietly become one of the biggest name in video games like that right there says it all like 230 games 850 ips 120 studios like embracer group is going to be 
the name like in the future it's gonna be everywhere like uh, so many of these other studios that have been acquired and like you know it's still activision blizzard you know it's still bethesda it's still id software but ultimately at the end of the day all of that is microsoft yeah whereas with this um you know, they've like 120 studios. <laughs> yeah, like under Veil of Night, they've just become this huge juggernaut almost and not even almost like they are now. And but at the end, they're still a holding company. Right. So that's kind of yeah. the nice thing about this is that they have overall influence and in decision making uh, with these different studios, with the comic companies that they've kind of purchased, the board games, all this other stuff that they've done. But these organizations are still allowed to operate as is which is really the cool thing about it. And then what they're basically doing is saying, we're going to have our influence and kind of, you know, judging the types of changes we want to see within your organization, but you're still allowed to do what you're doing. So like in terms of limited run games and how they manage things, it shouldn't really change. It should be for the better. Like we should see, you know, we'll talk about that in a bit, but we should see some other things coming from that. Um, These studios that are out there, like it's cool to know that this guy, that owns Embracer Group or is the CEO has that background because, you know, for things like Destroy All Humans, for example, that they had re-released and now they're working on Destroy All Humans too. Like what type of influence does the higher ups have in saying, Hey, we want you to make that game. So like, is there any nostalgia that this guy might have over the years that can influence like new games coming out or IPs that we thought were dead and we're never going to see again or now, potentially going to be resurfacing down the road. Like, it's kind of cool to see that stuff. Like I didn't like destroy all humans, for example, was not one that I ever expected to see again. Yeah. Like after the Wii version was released, it was like, I, I don't see this ever coming up again. And apparently, yeah, like we're getting a number two remaster or remake. So yeah, I, I think it's pretty cool. I, I like the history behind them. Um, you know, I'm not a big fan, obviously of conglomerates, like holding all of these different studios, but it's also nice to know that these are not going to be exclusives to any one console either. Cause Embracer group's not going to be going out and making a console. They're just going to be releasing new IPs and old IPs and uh, just kind of moving forward with that. And we're going to get them on all these great consoles down the road and PC, yeah. I would imagine. So yeah, it's, I, I really like this it's actually pretty cool. One cool thing. If you look at this article, where it goes through the timeline and lists all their different like purchases and stuff. They've picked up so much stuff for so much less money than everybody else. So the Activision blizzard thing was like, how much was the sale price? Like $67 billion or something stupid. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So like they picked up some great things. Like obviously Activision blizzard is much bigger than any of these things. But like um, we can all agree Biomutant wasn't great, but there was a lot of heart from that studio in there to pick that studio nine million dollars. Like that's a drop in the bucket. That's almost nothing, you know, yeah. compared to most of these other purchases. Well, And They've their got... recent purchase of limited run games and um, the Tolkien franchises and all that. that. Was 790 for yeah. the lot of it to say that you just picked up the rights for movies for less than a billion dollars and those movies it, dude if you have like a gandalf movie that movie's going to generate easily you know over 500 million dollars mm-hmm. like you know globally and all of the things that go with that such as toys and you know every other component plus the, the golem video game i think don't they still have the rights to that type of stuff too like they have their hands in like all of lord of the rings and if they make this out to be like the Disney Star Wars kind of verse, like what Disney's got going on. They do this with just like Tolkien properties. Mm-hmm. Dude, like that's going to be the biggest like steal of the century in what yeah. they're doing. They picked up um, Coffee Stain, the people that did Goat Simulator. We could see Goat Simulator 3 is coming out soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Valheim, which was huge when that came out, that like really hit. Uh, they got. That Hot Wheels Unleashed game that came out, that was supposed to be really fun. Um, let's see here. I mean, Saber Interactive is like a terrific studio, and they're the ones that are going to be heading up 
uh, KOTOR now, I'm pretty sure, since that well, other that, studio got nixed off of it. Yeah, but it says that one's been indefinitely, like, like they're not moving forward with the KOTOR remake. Uh, they they just released some kind of spin the other day saying that it might not impact the release or something. Nope, I guess we'll find out. Yeah, I don't know. There's been a lot of news this week. Like we were also going to talk this week. Uh, there was a rumor Cult of the Lamb was one of those games that we talked about Sony paying to be blocked on Xbox. Um, but it turns out that was all BS. Well, they so just the developers came out and are like, that's a complete lie. Yeah. So there's like, you know, sometimes rumors and stuff happen and sometimes they're not true. So, well, then again, like. You know, developer coming out and saying, no, that's absolutely a lie. It's not like they're a public company and we can see their records, right? So, you know, did Sony pay them money to be like, hey, well, so we like, paid you money. And then, oh, this came out. Here's more money to say it was a lie. Like, we obviously don't have sources or anything like that. Like, we're not doing our own research. Like, I got that uh, from Jesse Cox. He's, like, really well plugged in. He says that he knows people at Devolver that he trusts that told him that, and that supersedes where he had seen that original article come from and his trust in that person. So it's like, I put my trust in him. He puts his trust in them. We tell you. I don't know if you guys trust us. Tell us if you trust us in the comments. (laughs) All right, our next piece here is uh, Embracer Group makes new gaming acquisitions, including Limited Run Games, Tuxedo Labs, and Tripwire, uh, GameSpot, Haley Williams on this one. So uh, I just want to really, I'll kind of start really quick on the Limited Runs piece. So, you know, this one really does interest me. You know, I just mentioned it as we were talking a moment ago, but they've had their issues, right? Like shipping was always a concern for me when I bought some from Limited Runs, like Whenever I got like a collector's edition and it was thrown in a box with a bunch of uh, the air pockets, you know, what I'm talking about or the air bladders, I think that's what they're technically called. I was like, what the hell is this? Like just literally thrown in there. No proper shipping. They moved up, you know, over time and they would bubble like that thick bubble wrap that would go around. They kind of wrap things in that. But still, I had issues. Um, I've had problems with like, uh, you know, components being poor quality i've had things come in broken that i've had to get returned uh their presentations for like e3 have been hot garbage uh that we've seen in the past so <laughs> yeah, like we, they we flamed them that one time oh yeah no dude i think everyone flamed them. that was bad like i think we could have put on a better presentation oh, don't, say um, that. don't say that i don't know man i think we could have if we put our mind to it uh so that piece and then uh like yeah, that's just been like the issues I've seen with them over time. So like it can only get better when you have a company like this coming in. They're going to put in their change in quality, probably put in more quality assurance in in how things are packaged and shipped out. And I think that's honestly already occurred. Um, while, yes, this transaction just recently happens. My recent purchase, those Castlevania games, dude, it was the best packaging I've actually ever seen come in from limited run games best packaging ever they took the collector's well with our boys barry over at premium giving them a run for their money had to step up their game right so the anniversary collections were they had like cardboard corners like basically four pieces that went on the edge of the top and bottom and the corners that was slipped into its own box and then those two boxes were put into another bigger box for extra protection. And when I got these, it was the first time I'd pick something up from limited run games that didn't have like a dent or torn plastic or anything like that. The quality of the packaging was also much better. And the weight of those games, like I could tell that this was a much higher quality product than what I've purchased in the past. Like you can even tell from their shrink wrap that it's better product or better things that they're using now. Yeah. And that's just recently, right? Like I've had a couple games that have come in in this last year nothing was packaged to that extent. Um, so I think that that might be the change it's, that we're already going to start seeing is more things like that. Um, and it, it can only get better moving forward. So I'm excited about that. And uh, I may start looking at them for more games down the road for like pre-orders and such. Yeah. Um, one thing, and it's funny because you said the opposite a minute ago. When I read this list, it's like full list of acquisitions 
Includes limited run games, karaoke technology, sing tricks, peripheral manufacturer, Jiotech, and game studios, Tuxedo Labs, Tripwire Interactive. I was like, dude, this is a like make your own gaming company starter kit. <laughs> like they've got peripherals, they've got like their own branded music game, they've got physical release company that can manufacture and produce everything. Like all you need is a box to run it all through. The Embracer box. Embrace oh the game. Just wait. Embracer Group acquires Nintendo. No, I'm just kidding. Dude, that'd be so messed up. That'd be impossible. Nobody said that. It would be impossible. Money. But dude, Not like if they did, if they did, and I could play Mario on my on my PlayStation, I'd be a happy person. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I technically could if I really wanted to. Yeah. You can look through all this stuff. It's a great read. It's good to know what our future overlords are going to be like. Um, <laughs> but I really think that the best thing to come out of all of this is that Disney can't own Lord of the Rings now, too. Like, that, that's the most important thing about all of this. That is actually a very solid <laughs> thing right there. The fact that they cannot own and, Lord of the Rings. And, and Bezos. I don't want Bezos to have, like, Middle Earth either. Like, he'd be I mean, sending he... rockets to Mars and building Hobbitons there. I mean, they're putting about 200 and <laughs> I just got that. They're putting in like $250 million into production for that Lord of the Rings TV show. Yeah, but like, I Daddy, mean, Daddy Bezos has enough. Look, Daddy Bezos does have enough. But he doesn't like, need the Lord of the Rings, like all of the Lord of the Rings. He can have that slice of Lord of the Rings. But the quality in which Amazon has been like, I have a friend that works in Amazon um, Prime Studios. And like actively like works on some of those shows and, and putting them out and they do good work. Like, it's not like they're not doing good work with those TV shows, like the properties that they have right now, like the boys, come on. I mean, the boys is obviously a comic book turned into TV show. And, you know, not that I've read the comic books and can say, oh, yeah, like these four or five things don't match up to the comic books. It's still a good show. And so I'm really hoping they're able to do that with future things like Lord of the Rings and whatnot. So, but yeah, I agree. Like I'd rather daddy Bezos not own, uh, that. And I think saying daddy Bezos as many times as I have today, I might've screwed my chances of ever working for Amazon. So that kind of sucks. Yeah. Uh, It'll resurface. He'll find it. Uh, okay. So our last piece here is, uh, the mega drive two or Sega Genesis two, uh, mini, the games are announced. Like we know what's going to be happening and you can probably read this anywhere. We got this at my Nintendo news by my Nintendo news. Yeah. Maybe we'll just copy like all the game titles and put our own article on the game and be like, look at this great news of all these games. So uh, I'm not going to go through every one of these, but like, I'll just go through some of the cool games that I am familiar with. So you have like afterburner two, I'm only bringing it up because it's I don't like it, but Clay Fighter is on here. Um, Earthworm Jim 2, Elemental Master. Golden Axe 2. Yep, Fatal Fury 2. Hellfire is actually a very expensive game. Uh, not Fantasy very Star 2. Fantasy Star 2. Um, let's see. Outrun. The Revenge of Shinobi. That's actually a pretty solid one. Uh, I've actually played that one, I think. I so get this. I didn't realize this was a thing. Apparently, there was like four versions of Revenge of Shinobi and is completely laced with copyright infringement all over the place. So Revenge of Shinobi in their first version, your enemies look like Rambo. You fight Batman. Spider-Man appears. You legit fight Godzilla. And there's also the Terminator. And like other pieces as well, like not oh, kidding. I'm you. I'm seeing it right here. Like in one, it's Godzilla, and in the other, it's like a skeleton dinosaur. Uh huh. Yeah. And like there's Batman who turns into some some other bat creature. You have Spider Man who oh, turns I into see something Batman else. and yep. Spider Man. Yep. Damn. So right. some yeah some interesting news. If somebody didn't know that, I, I learned that I don't know a couple weeks ago because I was looking at my copy of Revenge of Shinobi and I didn't realize like which version I had. Um, and I don't have that version. I have like version 1.03, I think there's mm-hmm. like 1.0, 4, and there might be a fifth. I don't know. Um, yes, shining force, uh, sonic 3d blast. Okay. Shining in darkness is actually a pretty cool one. Uh, shadow dancer is a good one. Uh, you have streets of rage three splatterhouse two. 
There's also uh, Sega CD games. Sega C- Oh, yeah, yeah, there are. Oh, and uh, Toe Jam and Earl uh, in Panic on Funkatron. Uh, yeah, CD games. we got Final Fight. Uh, we've got uh, the Ninja Warriors, Echo. which is pretty good. Yep, Echo the Dolphin. Uh, Night Trap is on here. Shining Force CD, Sylphid, and then Sonic the Hedgehog CD. And there's some bonus games. you got Devil and Pie, Starmobile, and then Newports of Fantasy Zone, Space Harrier 2 plus Space Harrier. I don't know why they didn't just say Space Harrier 1 and 2. Uh, and then uh, Versus Puyo Puyo soon. So we didn't go through the full list. There's a lot more than that. But overall, like, here's the thing. I have one of the older models of this. Like, I have, like, the first version that came out. Or not first version. They're saying this is, like, the from an official standpoint, which the other ones are branded Sega as well. Like, when people think the Mini 2... There's this assumption that like there's only been two of these. There's legit been like no, they have these five of these staples forever. Yeah. Before and all like they even came out with the SNES Mini or the yeah, NES and Mini, and they're all branded Sega. Yeah, so it's not like it's this third party. It's gone out. Like it's just I think it was AT Games is who made these a long time ago, and then they changed to somebody else and somebody else. So like there's been multiple revisions of these mini consoles for Sega and the games like golden X I know is on one of the other consoles out there. Cause I've played it on there. The Sonic games are on those as well. So like, am I excited about this? Not really. Cause it's another cash grab and those emulator devices are still out there with some of them are 80 plus games and they're all Sega and they're not garbage Sega games. Like they're good Sega games. Yeah. So I in no way, shape or form, intend on buying this unless i somehow come across one and it's a super short print run and i can flip it for some money i have zero intention of actually actively looking to buy one of these unless it's like handed to me on a silver platter Um, i i have the opposite reaction to this okay so um i'm not a sega person have never been a sega person and (laughs) honestly if i had access to a sega it would probably make things way easier for us to have more options for recording. So, you know, I don't know if this is the one that I should buy or if I should buy one that's already out that's maybe, you know, gone down in price or something. I'll have to do like some research once this one comes out to see like if there's any quality difference or anything like that. Like, does it run USB-C instead of mini USB or, you know, stuff like that. So... I'll take a look at them. You know, I I'm sure all of them are the exact same way to be hacked open and run the same stuff. So, you know, ultimately it doesn't really matter what the contents are on any of them individually. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, cause you can, but maybe this one having on there. the CD titles makes it like newer or better. Maybe it might have more maybe accessory that they have for that. Did no, we I talked about that before. Mm-mm. They made like a fake, just like tray with a fake Sega CD that could sit next to it or something. Oh, that's pretty cool. Like but it doesn't do anything. Well, yeah. I mean, you'd have to pop in a CD for it to do anything. <laughs> well, I mean, like nothing. Like it's not even it's interactive. All, like, yeah, it's just all decoration. They missed a, a critical point. They could have just had it to where when you press the CD button and it opens, it goes Sega and then you close it. Nice. That, that would have been pretty cool. But no, they they messed up. They just want to do a cash grab here, Ryan. Dedicated Sega uh, button. Yeah, if you pick one up, great. I mean, if you end up hacking it, then yeah, we have a lot more availability on what we can play. Um, as I, as we all know, uh, have picked up a crap ton of Sega games in the recent weeks for some strange reason. That's all I was picking up. And yeah, that, that's where we're at with that. All right. Uh, inflation, deflation for the week. Played... Jet Moto 2, developed by Sony Interactive Studios of America in single track. It was published by Sony Computer Entertainment. It was directed and produced by Steve Kowser, and it was released in 1997. It's a racing game with a 7-ish out of 10. Now, before we dive into that, uh, I dove into the wiki earlier uh, when we were talking, and I thought it was pretty badass, some of what was talked about in this, and some of it I agree with, obviously. So you and I both agree that this game is extremely difficult. Did you? Okay. Did you play with the analogs? I did not. Like you can't even play with analogs. It doesn't do anything. You have to play with the L1 and R1. Yeah. So um, I started out by playing the Mountain Dew 
uh, rider because, well, I love me some Mountain Dew. Yeah, bomber. It is well, the- actually, that's not the first one I played. The first guy I played, I was flying all over the place. Like I, it was like Tony Hawk, <laughs> except you weren't doing any tricks. Except when the character goes "Whoa!" as you're in the air, and then they crash and burn. So, yeah, I played with the Mountain Dew Rider to start with. And I was like, what the hell is this? I couldn't hit any turns because the weight was like all the way up on that one character or the speed, I think, was the thing that was an issue. It was and both. The it was speed both, yeah. and weight were max and the acceleration and excel- was low. That's and right. It was that's so right. hard to drive that character. Yeah. And then I moved over to I think it was Jet Ski, if I'm correct. And Jet Ski had the lowest weight and the higher. No, that's little Dave. Oh, then it was that one. So whoever had the lowest weight. I played that one and I just kept launching everywhere and I couldn't control it. So I was like, let me go with the medium character, which was uh, it wasn't a technician. I don't think I don't remember which one it was, but I went with the low, like the medium weight and acceleration character. I forget which one. And that one was pretty easy to handle. Like I got third place several times, first place towards the end of my runs that I was doing. And I felt happy with that. I was like, I could race with this. The other ones are just no way, dude. Like there's so much practice, so it has to be involved. But the overall criticisms that people have had over the years for this game are predominantly over the physics. Like the yeah. game is just difficult. Like you have three buttons that you're basically using X, L1 and R1. I don't even know if you can reverse. I didn't even try. You so, know, you can use the D pad, too. Yeah, but why use the D pad? Well, I was using it in conjunction with L1 and R1. I didn't see any difference when I was using the D-pad, so okay. I, I, I just didn't go with I it. I assumed I needed to use both the whole time. Maybe that's I, why I was having such a hard time. Maybe I, I should have just been using those. Maybe you needed to. I don't know, but I got comfortable. Like I noticed that as you would launch in the air, you could tilt your hover bike in the right direction. So and, that as soon as you land, you could just yeah, floor just, it and launch that direction. Yeah, it became yep. more of like a positioning and then going and then you just kind of tap tap the x button because it's like you're almost always at max speed no matter how little you're pushing the button like it doesn't matter what it says your acceleration time is you're almost always red bar yeah exactly and um you know i just found that uh when positioning it better like it just it became more of a track memorization aspect of it yeah you know, like once I kind of figured, OK, I have a turn coming up here. I've got a turn coming up there. Like, great. I don't know if you if you played the circuits. I played all like the circuits, the first four or five races or whatever. And I just was kept one, picking random courses. There was one that was just a straight line and it like looped the rounds and then you'd go back and it would loop around and then yeah, go back. it's just back and forth. It's that a different was, style of race. I like that. That was so difficult for me. Like the other races were. That's the fine. one I won. That's the one I got like dead last it didn't help that my my x button was sticking so mm. i had to go get some windex and clean that out yeah. uh mid-race so that kind of sucked um but as far as the history in this game so i actually have a greatest hits version which normally i don't like having greatest hits versions but it's pretty cool the history behind this one so the greatest hits version was not supposed to be released as is so apparently um single track uh or this developer uh, wanted to go ahead and make a whole bunch of changes to the game. And they were like, no, we're going to be releasing this greatest hits. And Sony was coming back saying, no, we don't allow, you know, modifications to greatest hits games, which I didn't know. So apparently the greatest hits versions had to be the exact same version. Whereas now you have these game of year editions, right. That have DLC and download, like all these other crazy things that are tied to it. Any repairs that they might've had new skins, like all this crazy stuff in these game of the year editions. So it's interesting to see that change of thought over the years. Um, so there was that piece, but like this new version would have like increased the frame rate. Uh, it would have removed several competitors, which would have allowed for less strain on the hardware and a whole bunch of other crazy stuff. Um, and then apparently uh, Sony had contacted them for like a master disc for burning purposes. And apparently it was destroyed. Like there's some crazy, crazy like history behind this whole thing. Um, so definitely like read into that if you're interested, there's a a whole long thing here, uh, on it, but it's like laced with like, um, you know, property rights and, uh, you know, just a lot of controversy tied into Jet Moto 2, 
uh, beyond the original release. And, you know, ultimately down the road, they ended up releasing a Jet Moto 3. So looking at this game in general, I actually did enjoy it. The music is pretty cool. Like there's something about that music that makes a racing game like this cool. Like just when you enter the screen, it you know you're playing Jet Moto 2 when you enter that screen, the, the main title screen. There is head-to-head. There is single track um, like choices like Ryan did. There's practice mode, which I heavily recommend. And then there's a general circuit that you can do, which would unlock tracks and racers, I imagine. And so I did a little bit of the picking the tracks, and then I also did the circuit. I did some practice because I, you know, for the life of me, couldn't figure out controls at first. And I enjoyed that component. As we said, the riders are going to obviously determine like in any racing game, the experience you have. And it's obviously dependent on your experience as a racer in these types of games uh, to determine the type of character is going to fit best for you. So ultimately for me, it was more of a medium all the way down. So I could have the right type of speed and acceleration, but also the right weight. So I wasn't flying all over the place and not so much weight that I couldn't move and make my turns. So that piece was cool. I the think physics. this game did good with that. Like I tried out four different characters and they didn't feel too different, but they definitely responded different. Yeah. So it's not like I felt like I needed to control them any differently, but I could definitely tell like this guy was going to do like just go sailing and this guy was going to run into walls. Yeah. There's enough parody between the characters that it's, you could tell, as you said, some racers, it just it doesn't hardly make a difference. Like I can barely tell in some games sometimes. Yeah. So. Yeah, that that piece was good. So the physics, yeah, the physics can be a, a bit of an issue um, for a game that's this old. Like, I kind of wish I had a little bit more polish on it. Uh, it the reason being is I'm playing on a, a bigger screen. Obviously, mm-hmm. if I had my old CRT or something, I was playing on that. It'd be a lot better. Uh, in terms of what I was looking at, but it kind of like nowadays it blends in a bit, which kind of sucks. Um, there's some turns that when you're trying to hit them, you just can't really tell what you're trying to hit you over time. Yeah. As you play, you get used to, okay, this area there's gonna be a turn and you learn as you go through, but I just wish it was a little cleaner and that's just what comes with playing on bigger TVs, unfortunately, and older stuff. But you know, in spite of all of that, I just love the way PS1 racers look now. Like I was never a racing person. I had like GTA or no, not GTA, uh, <laughs> Gran Turismo three on PS1 when I was a kid. Uh, or was that just Gran Turismo one? I guess. Yeah. Gran Turismo one and two were on PS1. Yeah. So and then Gran just, Turismo three was on PS2 and okay, four yeah. and all that came out on PS3. So yeah, just, I had Gran Turismo one on PlayStation one and like I never played it because it was so freaking hard. I just had no idea how to do it or what to do or how to tune cars or any of that stuff. Like, oh, dude, I learned so quickly on that. I was younger. I was a dumb kid. I I didn't (laughs) understand video games when I was a kid. I would play them and give up and then get a new game (laughs) eventually. And it transitioned into adulthood. Yeah, exactly. Now you see where the you know how everything came about. But I think that there's just something about them. Like ever since we played Ridge Racer a couple years ago like i've been like oh my god i i want to play more of these actually yeah i i felt that this was definitely a good one it's one that i would like to see remastered or a remake of actually and maybe there is i haven't really looked it up but um i would love to see a a remake of this for sure so yeah it's it's a cool concept it's kind of like how wipeout like has its own thing and then like wave race had its own thing it feels like a marriage between the two yeah and these were released over like a three-year period by the way so between like october of 1996 and september of 1999 oh wow we were close to the anniversary here um jet moto one two and three came out and by the way jet moto two is supposed to be more difficult like they increase the difficulty compared to jet moto one which I mean, maybe yeah, Jet I mean, Moto 1 is the game to play then. <laughs> maybe. Or Jet Moto 3. <laughs> One of the two. Maybe we got sandwiched in between like a poor sequel. Right. Uh, so we can't really talk to Jet Moto 1, but obviously we're playing sequel month. And um, 
Yeah, I mean, like I said, I would love to have a remake of this or potentially a remaster. I think that it is uh, a solid title. I think it's deserving of a 7 out of 10, if not an 8 out of 10 for a racer. It is hard at first, but you get used to it. Yeah. And I think that's the important thing. Like, it's not like you go into this and you've got one racer and you're crashing all over the place and it's a pain in the ass and you can't figure it out. Like, you just get the racer that works best for you and you just go through the levels. Yeah. And I think that's solid. Like it's, it's good. It's exactly like I said at the beginning, we had a lot of negative things to say, but we actually had a positive takeaway. Yeah. So So, brass tacks. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, complete inbox nine Oh eight. It's under 10 bucks. Uh, that peaked at nine 99 back in August of 2021. That's trending up. Uh, loose copy will run you five fifty eight. That peaked at five sixty four back in June of 21. And that's trending up as well. Now, if you're looking at the greatest hits version like John's got, that's coming in loose at 543 and complete inbox at 794. So picking up that, you know, actually maybe there's less of them greatest hits version. Uh, you know, for that could be a good way to go on this. And, you know, honestly, for under eight bucks, under eight bucks complete inbox. Yeah, I'd say that's totally worth it. Oh, yeah. Like, this is totally deflated. Like, this is easily a $10 game. Easily. Like, if this game came out right now in its current state on PlayStation Plus and you had to pay for it, you would pay for it. I wonder if it's available in PS Plus. Oh, it probably is, which means there's probably like some updated graphics or something. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, I, I I enjoyed it, dude. So I honestly think we need to look for Jet Moto 3 and <laughs> play Jet Moto 3 down the road and compare. And maybe down the road we can look at something like this, right? Where maybe an episode we play one, two, and three of a of a franchise like this and just do a full-blown comparison with all of them, like in one day. I think it'd be pretty badass. Mm-hmm. All right. We don't know what we're playing for sequel week or sequel month next week. Uh have have we played Mario 2? I think yeah, we have. I think we played Mario 2. Yeah. I mean, I've played it and we probably I've talked about it countless times on how flipping terrible it is. So Well, and also I just I don't want to be the next person on the internet to say, did you know it was Doki Doki Panic? I think we have said that before. Yeah, we definitely have. I don't want to say it again. Well, you just said it. Don't make me say it again, John. So what was Mario 2 initially? Um Doki Doki Panic. A sequel to Mario. (laughs) So I gotta I gotta tell you this. Um so there's this new spam like hacker thing going on nowadays, right? And these random numbers will text you. And sorry, this is like so off topic, but it literally just happened right now while recording. And they'll send you a random text and call you by your wrong name. And then they'll try to have a conversation with you and then dupe you into meeting them for money and stuff, right? So I just got this text that says, hi, Andre, how about we go out to sea tomorrow? Who says that? Let's go to see Avast. I'm going to say, let's go to see Avast. Just say aye, aye. Aye, aye. Aye, aye, Captain. Captain. All right. So All stupid. Right. Well, uh, thank you for joining us at the Game Deflators. Uh, get ready for the reveal of the secret game next. I still week. don't think I don't think he's gonna have a beat, you guys. Oh, I'll have it beat, dude. If I wanted to, I might even be able to beat it before you come get me. That's how close I am to beating this game. Really? All right. Well, I'm gonna be picking you up here in about an hour, roughly. My my original plan was actually to have the game so beat that as soon as we were getting to the point where you were going to ask the question of the secret game, I would let you ask the question and then I would just hold up the game and hit the last a button really and and show you, but it, it it didn't happen that way. Hmm. I got lazy. So does the game use the a button at all? (laughs) I mean, the Nintendo do button, the Nintendo do button. I remember as a kid, it was probably in Game Informer. They had like this joke article or something. It was like the GameCube controller 
but just like a big green do button instead mm-hmm. of having like the B or the X or the Y there. It was funny. Well, we'll figure out what we play next week. I don't know. We'll talk about in the car. We got an hour to All right. go to Peoria now. Uh, so this has been episode 197 of Game Inflators Podcast. My name's John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.